acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Karen Parker joining me. She is Jesse James Decker's mom. I interviewed Jesse James Decker a while back and we started talking about what inspired Jesse, how she got her confidence, and all of it stems back to her mom, Karen Parker. So Jesse's like, you gotta interview my mom. And I have loved, I have to call her mama Karen Parker because that's her name on Instagram. And she's just like the sweetest person in the world. And she has all this great advice. She makes you feel so good when you're around her and just gives you such warm energy so she's like everybody's mama and like gives you all the best information secrets cooking tips love advice life advice that you could ever want she just wrote a cookbook her second cookbook that's an ebook that's coming out she's already written one recipes for my daughters which is amazing she's in the middle of writing a novel we talk about romance she's so romantic and she has the best relationship with her husband that has totally inspired all three of her kids to have incredible marriages and relationships with their spouses. So it's just really an hour of getting incredible advice from one of the most kind, beautiful, smart, just caring women in the world. So here's Mama Karen Parker. Okay, I'm here with Mama Karen Parker. <laughs> and I love this so much because we are in your natural environment at Jesse, yes. your daughter's house. Right. Jesse, James Decker, and Eric Decker's house, and their daughter, Vivi, is right here. So this is like your natural environment, just with all I'm your family. With a cookie, of course. Yeah, I mean, I just can't imagine this interview going any other way because uh, no. family is everything for you. It, it is. And I was telling Jessica, I'm like, you know, I'm going to talk to Caroline. She goes, she's my girlfriend. Have her come up to the house. <laughs> Haven't seen her in a while. I'm like, okay. Because I thought I was going to meet you somewhere, but she wasn't having it. So it works out good for me, here. too. Because we were just in the pool. I'm like, all right, this is perfect. I love it. So. And I something I love so much about y'all's whole little Maggie. dynamic. And the, we got the dog here. Oh, Max. So everyone listening, there's going to be a lot of ex- yes. loving noise. Right. And by the way, great. Eric loves Maggie so much. You can ask him about it. Are you joking? Is that a joke? Or? Yes. Maggie's sweet. So this is a little, what kind of dog is Yorkie. this? A little Yorkie. Yorkie yeah. She's a calm little sweet thing. Oh no, honey. She's not. <laughs> she's this not. Is, it's so weird. In certain circumstances, you think she's just this perfect little quiet dog. And then you put a leash on her and it's the Tasmanian devil. Really? To the point where I want to cry. I actually have <laughs> cried on walks. It's sad. I know. Oh. They call it first world problems, so I'm going to try to stop feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> I freaking love it. Well, she's been nothing but a little angel to me. So far. Does she pee the house or anything? Yes. Maybe <laughs> <Mary> says yes. <laughs> she does. She's not on camera, honey. Uh, I love that Vivi's just sitting here laying on the couch is. with the cookie. Daddy's like, come on. She's not on camera. She's it's like, fine. no, I'm just chilling. I got my cookie. Yeah. I'm lounging. It's all good. 
So talk to me about that. We're going to kind of start at the beginning with okay. your life. But since we're here in the midst of all this amazing mm-hmm. family love yeah. and chaos, which is the best, you have three kids. And how mm-hmm. important is family to you? Well, I mean, without family, what are we? I mean, think about that. And I feel so blessed because that I have such an amazing family and um, and including children and grandchildren. And um, I mean, it's a blessing that can't ever be replaced or nothing can come close to it. And although I love, you know, being creative and having a career and all of that, you know, I always tell the kids on your deathbed, what are you going to crave more? Working more or spending more time with your family? So I think if you keep that in perspective, then you really realize how important it is to have love in your life. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I've known that just from knowing Jesse that she's yeah. modeled. Well, when I was interviewing her, she we started talking about you a lot because yeah. you've inspired her so much with her life. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you got to interview my mom. Mom's <laughs> the greatest. But... I've noticed that with Jessie too, even though she's such a career woman, she always mm-hmm. puts her family first. So that comes straight from you. Well, I'll tell you what, she still calls me with struggles regarding that because she juggles so much. And I, I honestly don't know how she does it. Um, I had a really hard time with it when they were little trying to work and take care of them at the same time. Because you were on like TV. I was. Were you um, on QVC? Yeah, I was. I was on QVC <laughs> and I hosted a uh, television a few of them but one of them was on PBS and it was my favorite television job it was called HEB Televentures um, and for those folks down in Texas HEB is a grocery store oh yes I'm but, from Texas we loved gosh, HEB it's phenomenal yes it is a phenomenal grocery store anyway they sponsored the program and I got to do so much fun stuff like swimming with beluga whales and meeting with actors and architects and it just was so great and uh, I think that was absolutely the most fun adventure I had but I remember <laughs> John was actually in kindergarten at the time. Yes, my son John, he is. And he was in kindergarten at the time. And I remember once he was sick. And so I I primarily took care of them. And so I I didn't know what to do because the show was live. So I I had to go to work. So I took John with me. And I remember he threw up in the car on the way. And I just didn't know what else to do. But I tried to take care of him, get him a little Sprite. And I put him on the set. And so they're kind of all used to it. They kind of grew up that way. I think that's the way to do it. Just bring your kids with you everywhere you go. Get them used to traveling mm-hmm. and get them used to that environment. So then they, you can just be on the go. I think it's affected them as children because we've had so many changes, especially with the military lifestyle, that it's made them stronger people because they had to learn how to make new friends and learn new places and new faces. Live in new places. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so let's kind of start at the beginning okay. of your life. <laughs> Where are you from? I'm from Louisiana. Okay. I was born and raised in, raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Okay. So you've got that Cajun blood running through you. <laughs> well, I, it's Cajun there, but I'm not really Cajun. I have the influence in my cooking, but we're Italian, just Southern oh. and Italian. And um, so I don't think there's really Cajun Your mom's blood Italian? in us. She is 100%. Okay. So what's Italian it, and Greek. Wow. What's it like growing up in an Italian Greek household? I could not have asked for a better situation with my grandmother, who was the most important woman in my life, uh, Mary Baggs, Mary Baglio. Uh, (laughs) She was my mama, and so that's why I'm mama, because my grandmother mama was everything to me. Um, But she instilled those great values in us, and she was very... What kind of values? uh, Family, number one. Number yeah. one. And I remember sometimes my mom worked. She was a nurse and I'm the baby of five children. So you know what it's like, you know, your first child, oh gosh. it's, you take all the pictures and everything. And by number five, I mean, I was lucky to get a scrap off the floor, to be honest with you. <laughs> but they're like, uh, they take care of themselves when you get to number seriously, five. Seriously, I think my sister Sharon was kind of taking care of all of us. Is she the oldest? She is. And so she like the mother hen of all the she kids? She was. She absolutely was. And my mom was a, a nurse. Um, and so your mom was working full-time with five she was kids. well after my dad died so my dad died when I was five wow so what a lot for yes your mom. and so uh, we went from living in the suburbs to the projects so it's funny how people get this misconception and they you know and we do that we're all guilty of that with people's lives but yeah that's where we grew up and uh, it was tough especially going from that environment I I think my sister and my brother John were in a Catholic school so they were in a private school and they went from that to a really rough public school 
and living in the projects. And so it was quite and a transition. And your mama lived with you too? So our mama um, would come and stay with us for weeks at a time. And so my mom would often work the night shift and um, she wasn't around very much. But I mean, oh my goodness. So your mom was raising five kids by herself? Well, if not for my mama, we would not be here. So wow. truthfully, she saved us and she was our saving grace. So it was really tough, but you know. So you probably learned a lot from that just like being a strong resilient woman what did you take away from all that and how did the transition go from having your parents and like mm-hmm. being in the suburbs to going to their projects probably quickly very quickly actually uh, my dad had had his first heart attack and that led us um, into the projects and then he died when we were there um, I still remember that phone call I was only about three and a half years old so um, probably my siblings had a little worse than I did because they were way more aware but I think it just kind of makes you more grateful for everything in your life and it also you don't know any better mm-hmm. so you don't know that the challenges that you're facing you don't realize how hard they are because it's just about perseverance Mm -hmm. so I think I've spent most of my life not knowing better and maybe ignorance is bliss don't you think I think that could be a blessing because and I think that spilled over later in life whenever Jessica wanted to pursue a, a career in music I didn't know any better I just thought well if this is what she wants to do this is what's going to make her happy I need to help make her happy I never thought that it's, you know, one, I don't know the odds. That it's being the successful. hardest career ever and like I, so difficult. I had no idea. <laughs> so I just, so again, I guess ignorance is bliss, but it just taught me that whatever you want, whether it's getting out of the projects or making something of yourself based on the few and little things that you have. And I always thought, my goodness, later on in life, I thought, what if I had like the the beautiful blessings she had now, but maybe it wouldn't have made me the person I am today to keep scrapping and fighting to get those things. And I think we're all given, I don't know, a certain path in life so that we can affect other people in our lives. Absolutely. I think my grandmother was given her path because it was difficult helping raise five children. I think she was given her path so that she gave me mine and so that I could be there for my children in the way that I felt they needed. What was your grandmother like? Oh, my gosh. Mary Bags. <laughs> she was the most wonder, wonderful human being on the face of the earth. Kind. I don't think I've ever heard her complain. Really? So that's something I definitely need to work, <laughs> work on when I, you know, stress out because Maggie barks all the time. Um, never complained. Always so gracious. You know that person when you go to their house and you walk in the door and immediately you feel like that person has been waiting for you to walk through their door all day. Like they're just so happy to see oh you. Oh my gosh, come in, sit down. What can I do for you? Do you need a little tea? You need a little coffee? How about some biscottis? I mean, you never felt like you weren't welcome in her home. And that, of course, just wasn't for family. People would stop in her house constantly. She made everyone feel Everybody wanted. Everybody felt wanted, and she would do anything for anyone and never expected anything in return. So she was a little angel on earth. Oof, boy. She and my aunts all lived together. There were three Stop. sisters. They all lived together? Yes. Yes. They were all single women? There were, yes. Oh, how cute is that? So my grandmother was the only one of the four of them that married. There were 13 in total in the family. What? And so they were immigrants from Italy. And so the three other sisters never married, and they all lived in the family home together. How sweet. Did they just mm-hmm. cook? They cooked like crazy. Is that where you got your love of cooking? I I believe so. And my mother is a fantastic cook. But she was so busy trying to feed us that there wasn't a whole lot of time except get the butter or, you know, (laughs) something like that. She didn't have the time to say, need the bread or you stir it like this. She was too busy trying to feed us. So my grandmother had the time and she taught me the love of it. Oh, my gosh. What did you learn from being the youngest of five? Well, you've got to fight for attention when you're the youngest <laughs> of five. And, um, I just learned whatever scraps were left, you had to take them, uh-huh. honestly. Did you ever, were you ever upset that you weren't the first and you got like the first no. picking? No, I don't think so. I was baby and probably my siblings thought I was bit. spoiled because, <laughs> you know, I was the ba- They used to call me baby. So I think I had it okay. <laughs> I think being the baby is kind of fun. Yeah, you're the baby. I'm the baby. Yeah. I've always, but there's only two of us. Yeah. But I, yeah. No, I that's perfect. By the time, like you said, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. By the time you get yeah. to the, the baby, it's like, oh, it's fine. Yeah, whatever. Let's not they worry can eat about off that. the floor. <laughs> yeah. Something drops. 
Even number three. Yeah. It's totally fine. Okay. So you learned just all your values. You learned so much for your mama Mm -hmm. being the youngest of five. It just like, and did you know, could you, did you know something changed when your dad had died and you moved into a different spot or were you just like you said in bliss and you didn't realize it? Um, no, I knew. There there was no bliss. I I knew that things had changed. I think there's just that fight that comes out inside of you. Mm -hmm. And people have far worse situations. It was tough. I mean, it it was tough. Mm -hmm. But people are in far worse situations and persevere from that. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's innate. It's something that we're taught. But there's just this fight that comes inside of you that makes you just want to keep making it. Mm -hmm. And I think if that fight dies, then... Your spirit does. I agree. So no matter what it is you're fighting for, and you know, our, our dreams change, mm-hmm. our goals change in life, and I think that's okay too. And as you get married and have babies and whatever your circumstances change, my dreams change over the course uh, of my life, and that's okay as long as you keep dreams. So what were your dreams as a child? As a child, when you started getting old enough to go chase them, what what was that fight in you? What were you wanting to pursue? Because you did. You start. You went. You got on TV. I did. I think the first thing I wanted to do was to be a writer, and uh, it was what just because writer? I was just good at. It. I was creative writing. So you know all those little certificates. My mom sent me one the other day. It was from the third grade. Um, you know, creative writing award. And I know that's silly, but it means something. It means a teacher at third grade realized you had talent for creating things. Um, so I always was very interested in that because it was just a natural natural thing mm-hmm. just being creative um and then I, I wanted to do television work and acting and so silly me I wanted to be an actress but I was married and had two kids when I finally was able to go to college and so I thought because you got married young I did get married very at 18 I was very okay. young um and so I just thought okay well it's not realistic to be an actress so I'll work in television like that was realistic <laughs> With two children. I mean, that's the, you know, okay, well, I'll just work in television since I can't be a movie star. Okay. (laughs) Um, But again, ignorance is bliss. So I continued to pursue it. And um, I wasn't able to do a lot in college. I did. I did some work. um, But then after years down the road, I just kept pursuing it till I finally got my foot in the door. How'd you Um, get your foot in the door? Well... There was this new network in Orlando called America's Health Network. And you were living in Orlando? I was deciding where I was going to move next, where okay. we we're going to move our family next. Okay. So um, I applied for this job. The only thing that was available was, recept- was for a receptionist okay. at the time because they hadn't launched the network yet. And so, of course, I'm like, well, I'll be a receptionist and then I'll go audition. And yeah, you know, how just silly get in. Is that? And that's what happened. But you just believed it was going to happen. I just, I just did it. And I wasn't afraid. That's another thing I really want to stress is don't be afraid. How many times do you go around your dreams? You go around them. Like I'm going to pursue this and I'm going to meet this child. Why don't, but what if you actually attack the dream? Attack the dream. Right. That's a lesson I've learned from going around my dreams. So you got to attack it. Imagine what you're straight for. Right. Why do we go around our dreams? I have no idea. Are we scared we're not going to get them? Maybe we're afraid. So, but we're going to go, we'll go for something else, which might be a little lesser than what we're actually pursuing. And why would you waste your time on that? That is a really profound point. But you still may be accomplishing great things along the way, and I think that's part of the path. So, yeah. so when did you learn to attack your dreams? I'm still learning. I am, and. Um, you know that I put out a, an, an e-cookbook, um, yes, and amazing. <laughs> and that was an incredible project the name for of that me. Book. It's called Recipes for My Daughters. Oh, so I originally wrote the book because Jessica was engaged to Eric, and I wanted to do something really special, and you know I, I wanted something personal. Not necessarily something huge, but something really personal. So I thought, how about if I collect all of the recipes that she loves? Because she was already calling me and saying, um, I need to cook this for Eric. I, what's the recipe? And I did the same thing to my mom. She would ask me a hundred times for the same recipe. And I'm thinking, write them down. <laughs> but I'm still guilty of it. Um, so I thought, how about if I put this together? And I'm not very good with technology. So I put this book together with the help of my husband. Aww. And it's this tiny little book recipes from it and she loved it it's got photos of her and photos from the childhood and of my grandmother and our secret family recipes so then when Sydney got engaged to Anthony 
the wife got to make one more for her. Mm-hmm. Well, it's three times as big. It's way better because <laughs> I learned, but I still cried and Steve still helped me. <laughs> so then John and Allie said, why don't you make it an ebook? Because John has a company where he develops ebooks. And I, I thought, I, I don't know how to do these things. That sounds very complicated. It does. But I wrote it had all the recipes tested, the photographs taken, and painstakingly put it together. And you know when you set out to do a project and you actually complete it. That is such a feeling. Doesn't it feel great? Oh my gosh. So To just do it all the way through. I felt so good about it. And um, it did very well. And so I thought, well, I'm going to do a, a second book. So I've completed all the recipes. They've been tested uh, for, for my holiday recipes and for that's my daughters. Releasing. It's going to be in November. <gasps> so oh, it's just it's called, called, what's it called Holiday Recipes for My Daughters. Oh, my gosh. So we've got actually the meals that are all the favorites of the kids at the holidays. So, oh. And some really great secret recipes in there, too. So then I thought, which I love cooking and I love writing and I've been writing this novel. Because writing was your first love. But I've been writing my book for about five years. And this is like a fictional book based on your life. Based loosely on my life. So I thought, this is it. When I complete holiday recipes for my daughters, I'm not going to go around it anymore. So that's why I'm saying I'm still learning too. I'm going to go straight to it. So I'm going to finish this project. I won't die with this book in me. That's what I say. Have you started it? Oh, yes. I've I've been working on it for about five years. How amazing, though, that your first dream that you had, like when you were growing up and like chasing that first dream was writing. It was. And now look at you these all these years later doing it. You know, I think a lot of people like the dream never died. it, It didn't die. And I used that for different things in my life. So I, I used to um, constantly, before Jessica had her huge team of people, I would write things for her, whether it was a press release or whatever. I would write a lot of things or help edit things for her. Um, so I was constantly still doing that. And even when I hosted um, Televentures, I wrote the scripts and all of that. So I used all of those skills, but never what I, the way I really wanted to. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just a process. So if you're out there and maybe you're using those skills that really are part of your dreaming, you needed to hone them before you get. Before you are actually ready yeah. to straight attack. Okay, so, so going back to QVC, okay. you're in Orlando, there's a new network, and you're like, okay, I'll take the secretary job. <laughs> so how did you go from secretary to being on air? There were auditions, and I asked. I worked for the VP of production, um, and I still remember his name, Craig McCachran, because it was very hard to pronounce his Craig name. Craig McCachran. McCachran. <laughs> and I asked if I could audition, and he said yes. And so I went down on my break and auditions, and I think I got backup hosts, because these were f- professionals. And had you ever hosted um, before? No, I just a little in college, but very okay. little. And I'd made some really huge mistakes. Thank goodness they were you know, in college. But you had the um, comments, you're like, I'm going to do this. Absolutely. It was my dream. It just was my dream. So I ended up getting the job. And then sometimes the host would get sick or they would call in. So you got the backup host job. So I got the backup. And then I'd sit at the desk. And so, again, don't ever give up. I'm sitting. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Right. So I'm sitting at my desk and I'm really bad at technology and computer work. But I'm, you know. The secretary doing all the technology and computer work. And then I get a call. Um, Gosh, his name was Lou. I can't remember the guy's name. But he'd call and say, he had this New York accent. He'd say, Craig, I need Karen down here. So I would, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> so I got dressed and go downstairs and I would host. So you're just ready because yeah. you're already in the building. Oh yeah, I'm like, I'm doing it. And so over time, you just kind of like assumed just, the then position. Then I started, it, then I was part-time. So then I had the part-time job. And then I remember my boss saying, you really don't want to be a, a secretary anymore. And I was like, I'll help you. I'll continue to help you as much as I can. But yeah. And so then you became the host. I did, and then I developed a demo reel, and um, that's how I ended up working with QVC. So I, I would fly in and represent companies and their products, and it was so much fun. So how do you sell stuff on QVC? Oh, it was so fun. Did, did you have to talk really fast? It's like an auction? You don't, not really, but you just, I mean, you would be great at it. Because you just, <laughs> it's natural. So, Are you like, now this product, I love this. This is, like, how do you do it? Like, sell me, <laughs> sell me this iPhone. <laughs> What would you do without your iPhone? How did you get along in life? If you're lost on a country road and you can't figure out where you need to go, what do you do? You use your iPhone, right? This is going to get you out of trouble. It's, it's so easy because you just really think. About what the product's used for. Right. And all the, right, the usages and how it's going to make your life better and different. 
So I think you can find truth in whatever the product is to truth to really sell it. Yes, because if you can't find truth, then you probably can't sell it. I won't represent something I can't sell. I totally agree with that. I did song plugging for a while where you like pitch songs mm-hmm. to artists. And if I didn't believe in the song, I'm like, I cannot try to get an artist to cut the song if I don't actually think it's a good right. song. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that's the same kind of thing. If you can't find a reason why you love something or can see the value in it, mm-hmm. how can you sell it? And I think that I'm doing someone a favor because maybe they really do need that iPhone. Yeah. Maybe they've been lost. Maybe they will get lost. Maybe they need that map feature. So it's, a, it's actually a favor you're doing for someone to present the information in case they need it. It was fun. I loved it. How long did you do that? Um, a few years. And I represented a few different products. And I remember when I was interviewing Jessie, she was like, I just thought my mom was a movie star. <laughs> <laughs> she did, I, it really feels good to have your child look at you that way. And mm-hmm. I knew that she did. I could tell. And I see the way Vivi looks at her mother. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of that looking up and gazing. And you just think, gee, my mom's well. You know, I can see that in the way Vivi looks at her, and I knew Jess felt that way. And it's wonderful when you're just being you, no matter what it is. And she's brought this up before that if we're checking out at the grocery store, that I would be especially kind to the girl who was checking me out, who maybe was grumpy or having a bad day, and I would just start talking to them or find one thing that I thought was marvelous about them. Maybe they have really good hair or pretty nail polish. And you'd be surprised if you just talk to people like I really like your nail polish you might get a whole conversation out of that and it does that person good because people are recognizing them as humans who are doing a service for them and it makes you feel good because you're just having a great conversation with other people and I think that's what God intends comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if... no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Now, where did you get that kind heart and that 
that will that wanting to spread kindness to people i think we learn things from the people that are in our lives whether they're teaching us how to behave or how not to behave mm-hmm. so i think there've been certain people in my life who have taught me i don't want to behave that way so i strive very hard not to behave that way to hurt people because of the way it made you feel right and then there're certain people or even you know people who maybe they're not the perfect role model but there's qualities about them that you really love and you take that quality with you so you are very intentional about what you put out into the world I try. I try very hard. And I think we're all a work in progress. But as long as we're aware of that and continue to try to do the right thing. And Jess and I were having this conversation earlier. um, And we were talking about relationships. And she's like, Mom, why do you continue to try to do these things for people? And and who, who, who may treat you badly or she perceives that they treat me badly. And I'll say, because I want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing. And sometimes I don't know what it is. So I just try to do the kind thing then. Always doing the kind thing is you can't go wrong doing the kind thing. And you just have to get to a point where when it it's, it's at a place where it's harming you, then you have to step back. It doesn't mean you have to to be ugly, but maybe just step back. Have you had to learn boundaries? Absolutely, I've had to. And and I think that's the hardest thing to do in life is to create boundaries, especially with people whom you have a relationship with and you believe they love you or you love them. And then you just have to, there has to be a point when you say, when? How did you start to understand what boundaries were because it took me a while like until my 30s I think or mm-hmm. late 20s 30s to even like grasp boundaries when did you start grasping them and like when did you start feeling like you weren't because I feel like some people who haven't put boundaries in their life feel like they're being rude or like mean if they have a boundary because they're like I'm putting I'm protecting myself but really boundaries help everyone involved I think you just have to pick and choose your your trusted circle mm-hmm and then outside of that circle where you know you're not going to be abused or hurt in any way, then you make friendships on the outsides of that circle, as silly as that may sound. Where Can you feel, though, when it's not an even friendship? Or like if you feel like you're going to be taken advantage of like your good heart? Um, I think we all kind of know deep down, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, especially in really close relationships. Um when you find that you are starting to change as a person and you don't recognize yourself because you're too busy trying to make the other person happy uh-huh. or you're too busy trying to please someone else and change yourself to be the person they want, you think that'll make them happy. Mm-hmm. But believe me, that's not going to make them happy either because it's not really about you. It's about them. Yeah. So when you feel that happening, you have to rely on people that you know you can trust and love to get you out of the situation. That is so true. So who get, because Jesse was saying you always give her the honest truth with anything. Who is the person that always gives you the honest truth? (laughs) I think Steve probably gives me the kindest version of the honest truth. (laughs) It's so funny because if we're having a family conversation and they'll look to Steve and say, Steve, what do you think? And he always says something that no matter what it is, I could not interpret it in any way to hurt my feelings because he is the kindest most decent man I know and he truthfully feels that way about me so they're like mama can do no wrong (laughs) y'all are so cute it's almost sickening like y'all are so so, okay talk to me about Steve and so you were on QVC you're doing all this stuff when did you meet Steve and how did what is how did that love blossom we met later in life so I had all three of the kids already and um I think that's going to be the ending chapter of my book leaving Louisiana so a little so teaser I can't, for anyone I listening. can't give you all the details of that but it's a pretty unbelievable amazing way that we met okay so everyone listening get excited <laughs> about this book because it's going to be epic romance it, it is, and I think the uh, the first book will end with the beginning of the romance. Because, the first book, so there mm-hmm. will be more than one. There's going to be a series? Yes, there's more than, you know, we all have a good story inside okay. us, don't you think? I think so. I just love oh, that yeah. you're writing it. Oh, yeah. So, okay, so um, don't give anything away. I won't tell give anything us away, what but you tell us. honestly, I think when you know, you know. Mm-hmm. And with Steve, I just knew. And there was nothing... 
in this world that was going to stop that relationship. Really? Because I believe God sent him to me. Had I, you like, he's been my praying for God him? sent. Were no. you looking for someone? Nope. Complete surprise. Because were you on your own for a little while? And we're not going to go into the details okay. of all of that. It's book two. This, this it's is, all no, the book. Okay. That's book one. <laughs> so we won't get into those okay. details. However, I believe that when something is meant to be, it's meant to be. I agree. No matter what the circumstances are. So I, it was so easy with him. I mean, our relationship is so easy. And I... I hear people say things like, you know, relationships are hard. You really have to work at them. And I guess some are, and I'm not, it's good, but we don't. And we don't you don't have to work you at it. You feel that. Why I is get it, confused by that. Tell me why you don't have to work at it. Why do you think people feel like they have to work at it? And then why do you think you guys don't? What's well, the difference? I, I, I guess everyone does at a certain level, but I think um, some of it probably has to do with maturity levels. Mm-hmm. So I think... I had to go through what I had to go through in life and he had to go through what he had to go through in life so that we can be the people we were meant to be when we met. So had I met him when I was fresh out of high school, I I don't know. You might not have been ready for him. No, I would not have been. I kind of had to go through boot camp, (laughs) really. (laughs) Been knocked down a few pegs. Um, So that whenever it went, it's God's timing. It's all about God's timing. So you guys were so ready to appreciate each other. I just think that it was just a, a whole different level. There was no stopping it. It was just straight up love it was like our souls knew each other before we met it was just that way and i think every day of our lives we appreciate that and are grateful for that and are thankful for that and um i've talked about this on my blog we i get questions about what do you do when you argue and i say i don't we don't argue because i don't want to win because that means steve loses and he doesn't want to win because that means i lose and then why would you want someone you love to lose? So profound. I mean, that makes a whole lot of sense. But tell me, what do you do when you hit a moment where you don't see eye to eye? I, it just rarely happens. If there's usually something, always on the same page? If there's something Steve really wants that's different f- from what I want, I cave. Because... I get what I want most of the time because he's just so laid back and easygoing. It could mm-hmm. be something as simple as going to a restaurant. Yeah. Um, but when Steve really wants something, even if I'm like, ah, all right. But I'm just, okay, you really want it. That's cool with me mm-hmm. because he treats me so well. He loves me so much. He wants nothing but the best for me. Why wouldn't I want to give, give him what he wants? I love that. Okay. So if you're going to sum it up, what is the secret to happy marriage? Well, I think never lose sight of the blessing of love itself because there's so many people in this world who don't who never get loved that is so true so think of an appreciation so think about this when when your husband or your significant other comes home from work what do you do when they walk in the door what do you do and i tell this to to women with little children who I know are tired. I know I'm tired too, but <laughs> not as tired as y'all are with the little ones running around. But what do you do? Do you complain? Or do you look, do, are you a mess? Are you a complete wreck? Is there no dinner cooked? Are you complaining about all the diapers or this one got into that? What did your husband do all day though? Got in the car, fought traffic, went to work, dealt with maybe someone who wasn't very nice to him. He's trying to put you know food on the table. And then he walks in the door, and that's what he deals with. It's making me all teary. God, I got teary on Jesse's, too. Y'all are so, I love y'all's perspective. But what would happen if he walked in the door? You you did five-minute makeup before he came home. Just five minutes. (laughs) Just a quick little makeup. This is from the waitress. Five-minute makeup job. (laughs) What if you did that? Just put your hair in a pony. Put on a little lipstick. I don't care. Wash your face, even. (laughs) I mean, put on clean clothes and a little perfume. Yeah. Met him at the door. Hey, honey, I'm glad you're home. Give him a kiss. Would he fall over? Would he be kinder to you? Don't always ask what your husband can do for you. Why don't you think about what you can do for your husband? You make him happy. You know what? It's going to come back to you. That is so true. Instead of expecting them to start, you start. Why doesn't he do this? Why doesn't he do? What do you do for him? Complain about what he doesn't do for you? Amen. Why don't you try cooking a meal? Having it ready when he comes home. I'm saying if you don't work. Have that meal ready. Greet him, maybe get him a little, a little iced tea, a little beer when he comes in if you've had a really hard day, a kiss, wear something really cute. Why not? Flirt with your husband. <laughs> Flirt with him a little bit. He's going to feel so special, and then he's going to want to make you feel special. 
And it just, it's, you know, it's just not as complicated as we make it, right? Love each other. And show that. Right. Don't just take it for granted. And we all fall out of that. Sometimes I I, I always, it's so funny. So my (laughs) sister or the kids will call or my mom and I can, I can hear when Steve's coming in. I'm like, I got to go Steve's home. And I don't care if they think I'm a housewife from the fifties. I'm not, but you know what? My husband's been gone all day. I want to give him my attention. So I can talk to you all day long. If you need something, call me later. But he's walking in the door. The last thing I want to do is be on the phone or texting or Instagramming. Don't do any of that. Yeah. Give him your full attention. Look him in the eyes and tell him you're glad he's home. And I'll say, thank you for going to work today. Because you know what? When you got up for work this morning, I was still laying in bed with the mags. (laughs) And I, I wake up thinking, I am so grateful that he got up at the crack of dawn, drove in traffic, went to work, and I get to wake up and have coffee and hang with the mags and do whatever work I'm going to do at home. And he makes that possible for me. Why wouldn't I be grateful? Why wouldn't I cook him dinner? Why wouldn't I make him a pie? Right? Right. And even if you work, so if you have to go outside the home, which ladies and gentlemen, I have done. I yes. have done that. I've done many different jobs. I was counter man- manager for Estee Lauder and Clinique and Lancome. I've done all these different, I worked at Belk, you know, on my feet, like 11 hours a day. You do what you have to do at different points in your life. And I've done all of those things. So I know that it's difficult. It is hard. But so what? When you get home, maybe you make dinner together. Yeah. Maybe one of you picks up pizza on the way home just yeah. make little things fun make little things fun <laughs> look at this little spy <laughs> we got jesse spying on us i think that's another important thing make the little things fun yes okay so give me some examples oh just a silly example i remember when the kids were little and we'd ride in the car and if all the lights turned green I would just get really tickled, especially with little John John, because he would be in the car with me a lot. And I'd say, John, the stars are lining up for us. Look at that green light, green light, green light. Just little stuff like that. Here, Jesse, you want to come weigh in on this? You come tell us. I just want to know when I can grind this coffee. Grind it. <laughs> it'll be loud. I don't know. Grind it. I could I use some coffee. coffee. Oh, yeah, I could come use some here, coffee. Jesse, t- do, you, do you need some coffee? I don't need coffee because it makes me all jacked up because I don't drink caffeine at this point because I'm supposed to have a baby in two days. Tell me one of your favorite stories about your mom really fast while you're here. You just got to grab this mic. You got to get on the mic. I have a lot of really, really, really great stories about my mom, but I think (laughs) I mentioned this story to you all the time. One of my, one of my memories I remember earliest of thinking my mom was a movie star was when we were at a grocery store. (laughs) I know, but I just, I, it's the most clearest, youngest memory I have. She was wearing these cutoff jeans that were kind of split and you might, you could see her beautiful tan legs. She had Birkenstocks and a white t-shirt her hair was in a french braid and she was checking out groceries and i was standing behind her looking up at her like this and she was being so sweet to this old checkout lady and making her day and asking her questions about her and being so sweet and having this big southern accent and i just remember looking up thinking my mom is so pretty and and what did that instill in you from a young age. To just be kind to people. Be so kind to everyone. And that you can be beautiful effortlessly. Because she was. She barely had any makeup on. And was just so glowing and tan. And had just these cutoffs. And her hair in this French braid. And I just thought, God, she's so beautiful. And she's like a star. And everyone, everywhere we would go, I would stand behind and watch every person's head turn when she would walk in. And she would not n- notice it. She really wouldn't. She just had, she was focused on her children, but I would just watch everyone stare. And I just remember thinking, oh, my mom, like people just are so enamored by her. They think she's the most beautiful and coolest person. And I like looked up to her. And so much of your beauty is your kindness too. Cause you're so physically beautiful, but your kindness is what really overflows. She was so just kind to everyone and she talks to everyone and knows everyone's story right down to the uber drivers now <laughs> i just had the most interesting conversation this uber driver he told me about his whole childhood his life and he was at a crossroads and i just told him you go for it grind <laughs> <laughs> <Brian>, the coffee <laughs> oh that's amazing that's incredible and it's just honestly i think kids learn by example they do. And I'll tell that to the kids. I'll say, your children are watching you. Yes. They are watching everything you do. So I don't care what you say or what you might 
profess to them, they watch what you do. Yes. So be careful. Yes. And were you always aware of that? I think sometimes I'm still reminded. I was in the car with Vivian the other day and um, someone pulled out in front of me and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> said something like that. And then I never get frustrated like I'm trying to be remain, remain very calm and she goes mama what happened I go oh nothing 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 and I just start singing a song and, and then I was like this is a child will hold up a mirror for you and I thought she didn't like the way that I just behaved and I felt so terrible you're such an angel though I mean you, all you said was oh my gosh uh, a little bit no raised I, of a voice I didn't say any cuss words or anything I thank mean, god most people are cussing and yelling and I didn't, but it was enough that it startled her because I, I don't behave that way. And then I thought, oh, get it together. You don't want her to see you like this. So I think kids are a good uh, gauge for our behavior, too, don't you think? I totally do. Oh, gosh, are you going to write a book about life next after your romance novel? <sighs> you know, there, Is it a romance novel? It has to be because you're so romantic. I, I think that we can look along the lines of things like, have you heard of Anna Quinlan? Black and Blue by Anna Quinlan, mm-hmm. um, Yaya Sisterhood, yes. that kind of thing. Oh, they, they don't get along too well. Oh, we got another dog in here. Uh, <laughs> Jakey. I love it. Um, the Glass Castle, sort okay. of all of those kind of melt together. It's mm-hmm. sort of that sort of Louisiana upbringing. And can we say the name of the book? It's Leaving Louisiana. Leaving. So is it talking about you leaving your childhood? I'm leaving Louisiana, yes. And then you're meeting Steve mm-hmm. and all the romance. Well, there's a lot that comes before that that's really important for the story. And for me, when I read those types of books, it helps me as a person. So whatever trials and tribulations we go through in our life, if we can see that someone else has gone through that and the way that they handled it, whether it was gracefully or they championed and made themselves you know, a better person through it, those sort of books help me yes. and have helped yes. me. So... For me, finishing this book is also important because I want to send that message out. It's helpful because I need to write the book for myself personally. I need to. I need to write. I need to write it. Is it like you feel a calling on your heart? I, I feel I have to write it for for myself. It's like a strong pull. Yes, you feel it, and you're like, I have to write this book. My book. I won't die with my book in me. Really, I won't die with my book. So I can't. it's not just like, oh, I want to do this because I would love to write. It's like you have to. No, I, I think there are other types of books that I would like to write. So my husband's in the service, and I see that there are a lot of service-related murder mysteries and those kind of fun things. And so eventually down the road, I hope that he and I can write that sort of those sort of books together. So that'll be really fun. But this is sort of a need to write this book. And I'm hoping along the way that the things I've learned from reading these books uh, can help people realize that no matter what comes your way in life it's the way that you look at it so um, I'll also tell the kids this so whatever it is you have to do in your life you can ever either do it with a happy heart or you could do it begrudgingly but you still have to do it and that is such a good point to make perspective like you're talking about like when your husband comes home like Mm -hmm. put on five minute makeup have a little food cooking like it's not that difficult and it changes the whole dynamic of the energy that's coming yes, into that house you, that's a very good point you set the tone in your tone in your home and that's what i like to tell women i feel like you set the tone in your home so every time we moved as a military family i'm like it's a great adventure where are we going next Ooh, what kind of house are we gonna get oh you're gonna meet new friends instead of oh my gosh we have to pack up and blah, blah. all about perspective what? like you were saying with john with the lights turning green yes like, it's like a fun adventure like right. oh my gosh we this, got all the green lights exactly make the little things fun and so I'm going to have to go to that next duty station. So I'm either going to go there and be a you know, negative Nelly and be grumpy. I've got, because there are things you have to deal with. I'm not, I'm not Pollyanna. I know you, <laughs> you've got to go to a new school. You got to get the shot records. You have to um, sign up for new sports. Make it's all a, new friends. It is a pain. However, get a new like, house, like pack it all up. But it's a great adventure too, right? Oh my gosh. What if you meet this most amazing person in the next place? Or you get on a soccer team and it wins the championship? Or you as Jess did, start a new school and you become the homecoming queen Yes, in three months. You don't know what's waiting around the corner. So if you are depressed or sad about something, I mean, Jess was really, really bullied as a kid. And it was the lowest of the low to the point where I remember she would call me on her lunch break 
because we would just chit chat. She would sit alone at lunch and call me. And it was really at a low point. We move and three months later, she's homecoming queen. Everything can change. We do not know so matter how down you're feeling right now. Just really seriously think about what blessing might be around the corner. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And that's true for everything. So appreciate what you have today. That's also another important message in the way that we treat people in our lives. What if you treat someone badly and and then they're not here tomorrow? These are things we have to think about. It happens mm-hmm. every single day. So if you live in love in the moment, you won't have any regrets tomorrow no matter what happens. Now, where did you pick up all that perspective? Because especially like moving all the time, starting over in new cities, packing up three kids, starting the new schools, all like like you said, all the shot records, like all that. Like what if it's what if there's like what if they don't get along with people? What if you don't find any friends? You could have easily complained and no one would have blamed you for it. But how did you decide that you didn't want to do that? Because that's a choice. And where did you, when did it click that it was a choice for you? The bottom line is I want to be happy. So, which menopause makes that a little more difficult. <laughs> like when you go through it. I'm saying menopause, you still want to be happy. It's a little bit more difficult. I'm not quite as cheery as I used to be, but um, I still want to be happy. It was just easier before. Anyway, ladies out there who are in this situation, I feel you, sister. Um, so I think that really is what it's about, choosing happiness. I don't want to be grumpy. I don't want to be sad. And I really do think there could be cool things waiting around the corner. You love an adventure. So I do. And especially if I'm somewhere where I'm not loving it. Guess what? I'm moving. <laughs> and I remember, I think Steve is a huge part of this too. So think about the person that you're with and the, the things that you share with them. I remember once we were in Florida and we left and we got this flat tire on the trailer. And it was it was out in the middle of nowhere and it's hot and it could have been a really bad day <laughs> i don't remember that day badly at all did y'all just make it into oh, a fun just, adventure yeah we just got out talked chit-chatted i can't remember how steve figured it out but yeah it was fine so steve has a very optimistic perspective he does and he wants to make me happy and he wants to have fun and be happy so you've you've got to find a partner who where you just feed off each other's happiness instead of the opposite that is so beautiful and to be so lucky in love why do you why do you sweat the small stuff and i have to keep reminding myself that too you know i do but I think as long as you're working towards that goal of happiness and appreciation for everything that God gives us, you know, we're, we're winning. That is amazing. <clears throat> right, Viv? <Deb? laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you looking forward to in the next five years? Like if you could map out, like what, if you can map out how the next five years would go for you, what would, what would be happening? Steve and I always say we make plans and God laughs. That's so true. It happens. Seriously, even we we know exactly what's coming next, everything changes. So he seems to have better plans than we ever do. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I would just say more, more, more grandbabies and just <laughs> happiness and spending time together and more time with Steve. I, I just want more time with him. Every since we, we met later in life and how long have y'all been married? We've been or married. Been we've been together uh, almost 20 years. Oh. So, and we met later in life. So it, it's just a matter of wanting to spend every single moment that we can together. I, that's a goal in life. And more time with these grandbabies, of course. I mean, how amazing. You literally are just an angel on this earth. Oh, You're such you. a kind, beautiful spirit. I try, though. But, you know, we all make mistakes. But, but you I choose try. it. You choose to be this way. I'm trying, yes. I think we're all a work in progress. But, yes, I want to do the right thing. Something inside of me wants to always do the right thing. And be happy. And be happy. And not do anything begrudgingly. That is a very big thing to me. Why do you do things begrudgingly? If you've got to get up and go to school, why, why do it begrudgingly? You, you still go anyway. have to go to school. So why complain? So why do it and be grumpy? Why do people do that? I don't it's such know. a habit that so many people are in. The dishes. You have to do the... T- t- you know what? I turn on the music, I light a candle, and I sing, and I do the dishes, or I talk on the phone. I love doing it. Thanks, honey. Yeah, find a way to enjoy it. So I do my chores while on the phone. 
And so how great is folding that? Yeah. clothes, I call my mama, I let her just chit chat and tell me recipes and things. So you're enjoying yourself. Exactly. And the next thing you know, the chores are done. And the kids were that way when they were little Sydney and Jessica, they would do chores while they were do, doing something else. And before they knew it, the chores were done. Yeah. Find a way to enjoy all the little things and don't do it begrudgingly. Make it a game. Make it fun. Sydney's very good at that with Brooklyn. She's, um, you know, Anthony's playing ball. And so she has her baby, Brooklyn, a lot of times by herself. And she makes everything fun. I just, every little thing is fun. I'm so proud of her. Like, give me a little example. I mean, any little thing with Brooklyn, if it's picking up her toys, she makes it a game and she sings and she does funny little voices. And Brooklyn's just like, if you see this child, well, you saw her earlier today. We were just just happy to be at breakfast together. I know how we ran into, (laughs) we were eating in the same place today. I know, just like, hey, that's Caroline. Oh my (laughs) gosh. And you look so great. I mean, I literally, by the time this interview airs, I will have had a child, but I'm due in two days. (laughs) I can't believe it. It's so funny because I've telling you you shouldn't be working anymore you're like no girl we got it oh yeah we're good (laughs) and Sydney said mama she's about to pop I said she said she wanted to do it I don't know what to say I still feel really good you look good I'm like until this baby comes out I'm just gonna keep going are you just so excited yes I need you guys to teach me how to be there is nothing be a great mom there's (laughs) nothing greater than the blessing of being a mother There is nothing greater than growing a baby inside of you and bringing that baby into this world. And it is God's biggest blessing. Never, ever take it for granted or forget that. I totally agree. I have felt that way this whole pregnancy. Just so thankful and and grateful. I mean, I've had a lot of anxiety, like fear of losing her sometimes. Well, that never goes away, (laughs) ever. But I feel like it's such a privilege and a, I mean, it makes me cheery, and a blessing to be able to grow a child. Because I, not every woman can. Nope, you're absolutely right. And to be able to get this gift and to see what little human is coming into this world that I got to help create, I'm like, oh my gosh. And enjoy every moment. I know some people maybe don't like certain stages, but there are so many great things about every single stage of motherhood. And can I call you? <laughs> of course you can. Advice. Can I be on your call list? Of course you can. <laughs> While I'm folding the laundry, yes. we can chat. <laughs> I'm really having a breakdown right now. I haven't slept in three days. Can you give me some inspiration? Oh, that's tough. That That is tough. Sleep is um, something you really never get to do again. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Oh, it's just you really never sleep ever once you have a child. Um, yeah. But if you get the help, really try. And when your baby sleeps, sleep. Mm -hmm. People give that advice, but we never take it as mothers. Mm -hmm. We never take it. Because you're so tired, you just kind of want to veg out. But seriously, you need your sleep. Yeah. So sleep when they sleep. That's a good start. That's a good start. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to wrap up with you. I talked to you forever, but y'all have a birthday party to go to. We do. We have Brooklyn's birthday. This has been a really fun weekend. So So. you've been living it up, huh? We have. We've had Eric's retirement party and then baby Eric's, I call him baby Eric, uh, Eric's birthday party. He just turned four and now Brooklyn's turning two. So it's been a fun weekend. We try to put everything in a weekend because Steve and I come in from Atlanta. So, but y'all come in frequently. We do. We come, we're, we're burning a path. We've been doing it. (laughs) Since I don't know, Jessica was in junior high coming to Nashville. Can y'all move here? (sighs) One day, if we find a house, it's tough. The real estate market's really tough here. That's the problem. But all three of your kids live here, right? Yep. More importantly, the grandchildren are here. Yeah, I mean, let's get real, (laughs) obviously. I always say the children can come visit you, the grandchildren can't. That's right. Uh Okay, so I leave every interview with Leave Your Light. So obviously, you're very inspirational and you've inspired you. us all with this interview. Thank you. But what is just something that you want people to know? Just like a piece of wisdom, some advice, something that you've learned along the way, just to, just some good wisdom to impart on people. I think we've talked about it a little, a little bit, but pay attention to the way you treat people, especially the people that you love. Let them know how much you love them by doing little things for them and appreciating who they are in your life and tell them that. Don't be afraid to say thank you for going to work for me or thank you for getting me that cup of coffee or I love you or your eyes look beautiful today or I like that shirt on you or just express what you think inside of your heart because we go through life not knowing how other people feel about us and when you share that love with people, it comes back to you as well. Gosh, that is so great. You are so 
sweet. Like you're just so sweet. Thank you. It was so great talking to you. Thank you for joining me. You look beautiful me. and congratulations <sighs> to you, you. And I can't wait to see that little nugget. I know. Me too. Who is she? <laughs> I don't know. By the She's time this be airs, we'll know. I know. Isn't oh my crazy? gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I have to call you Mama Karen Parker. I That's can't just fun. say Karen. It has to be Mama Karen. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay. And everyone check for this book, Leaving Louisiana. Yeah. Well, e-cookbook first. E-cookbook. Yes. That's out now. Tell us the name one more time. Recipes for My Daughters is out now at MamaKarenParker.com. And then Holiday Recipes for My Daughters is coming out in November. And then Leaving Louisiana is on the way. It's on the way. Boy, it's going to take a lot of work, but it's coming. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for joining me. Okay. Bye. Hello! Claim comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.